Welcome back to the Code Adam podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to the teens of the troubled teen industry. My name's Julian. Today's interview is with Liv LaRocca. Liv attended the Ironwood program between December 2018 and April 2020. So 16 months, which is a very long time. Not a lot of residents spend this much time here, but I really appreciate you being our guest today, Liv. If you don't mind, could you please describe the first experience um, you had with the troubled teen industry? Um, so I got brought to Ironwood by Safe and Sound, which is basically like a transport company that will pick up kids that are going to programs and transport them there, essentially. Did you know you were going to be picked up and taken to Ironwood before? Um, no, I didn't. It was, I remember it was the Friday, the last Friday before Christmas. Um, it was December 21st. So I remember I was like, I mean, obviously I was unhealthy. I, I was sent to Ironwood and um, I remember I was actually planning to go to school that day because I was like, oh, like it's the Christmas thing. Like, I guess I'll go. But uh, no, at three in the morning, I woke up to I my parents are divorced. So I live with my mom and I woke up to my father at my mom's house, my mom and four random people in my room. I had never, ever met before in my life. And basically, my dad told me, you're going to a boarding school. And I was like, what are you talking about? Mind you, it's three in the morning. And I'm like, what is happening? I thought it was a nightmare. My dad grabbed my phone and they were like, you're going. And I, there was obviously a fight um, and not nice words exchanged. Uh, I... I mean, like, can I talk about, like, what happened? Yeah, please. I think that um, I don't ever really want to push anyone to give too much details, but whatever you're comfortable with, you can share for sure. Yeah, I mean, for me, I was definitely not in the right space. And um, I was just like, no, I'm not going. And I, I was fighting with them and they literally had to drag me out of my house. Like, they told me I, was, I wasn't dressed when they came in. Uh, I had been... I mean, I was nude in my bed. I was sleeping and I was sitting there under my covers nude and they were like, get up, get dressed and we're going. And I was sobbing my eyes out, got dressed. They gave me, they didn't give me a bra or underwear or socks. They gave me a huge Led Zeppelin shirt, great shirt and uh, pajama pants and my moccasins. Mind you, I had no bra, underwear, or socks. I was freezing the whole time up there, like on the way up there. Um, but they, on the way, on the way they were taking, like when they were taking me out, um, I held on to like a table. When I tell you, like I was holding on to this table for dear life, like I was terrified. I didn't know who these people were, where they were taking me, what was happening. I was holding onto this table and they were literally pulling me, like trying to get me to go down the stairs, like pulling me by my legs while my arms are holding onto this table. And um, I'm holding onto it so t like so hard that the lamp falls off, the lamp breaks, and then I let go and they pulled me. And then I walked out, walked down my stairs, walked down my front door and got in the van with them and I was like I need to say bye to my parents my parents came out I actually <laughs> asked my mom for my jewel <laughs> and she tried to get it for me but they were like no she can't have that and they took me away I I don't uh, to be honest with you I don't really remember a lot of like 
the safe and sound and when I first got to Ironwood because it was just so traumatic. Yeah. Like, I don't remember my first month or so of Ironwood. That's not, a you know, an uncommon thing. I think a lot of times, you know, when you're going through a traumatic experience, a lot of times your brain just says, I'm going to protect you and I'm going to block that out. So if you're not able to remember, like, that's kind of a trauma response. And like you just said, you were you know, woken up at 4 a.m. by some strangers who dragged you down the stairs out of your house with barely any clothes on. That is scary. They put you in a van and then you were taken to some boarding school you had no idea you were going to. Like, I think that is not an uncommon response for that kind of situation. Oh my God, I forgot about this. It was, okay, so I had no idea where I was going and it was pouring rain outside, pouring. And they almost, oh my God, they were going to take an exit they missed the exit, so they decided... You know how there's, like, the exit sign? So there's, like, a little space, like, bef- like after the exit? Oh, yeah, yeah. So they decided to, like, drive there and almost hit another car. And this was, like, 10 minutes after I had been in the car with them. And I was like, oh, my God, I just got kidnapped by some random strangers. I'm going to die in the car with them. I was terrified. So at that point, I was just, like, so anxious and crying my eyes out that I fell asleep and they woke me up at McDonald's at one point but oh I wouldn't eat any of their food because I thought that they poisoned it um like my parents packed me I have celiac so I'm allergic to gluten so my parents packed me like gluten-free stuff for the ride up there I wouldn't eat any of it I wouldn't talk nothing I it was like a what an 11 hour ride I didn't say a word. And then next thing I know, they told me a lot of things that weren't true about Ironwood. Like when I asked about it, like I was like, oh, where am I going? Like, and they were like, oh yeah, you can wear your own clothes, this and that. And when I talked to Lorraine, I was like, why do you guys say that stuff if it's not true? And they're like, our job is to get you there. And like, yeah, it might not be great to have to say this and that, but whatever is going to get you there safely, we're going to do. That's crazy. So you didn't even ask like what the program was like and they just kind of like told you some lies like or. Well, I was like, we were about to be there because they woke me up because we were about to be there. And I was like, where am I going? Like yada, yada, yada. Remember, they told me I could wear my own clothes. My my mom had written me a letter that said, like, there was horseback riding and uh, white water rafting and all this. And I asked them about that. And they were like, yeah, like, you'll be able to do that. And you can wear your own clothes. And you can this and that. And I was like, but I, like, but I can't have my phone. And they were like, oh, well, you'll be able to have it. And they didn't tell me how long I was going to be there. They said it wouldn't be long. And, yeah, then I showed up to Bri. So you saying that the first couple well the first month for you you don't kind of remember you kind of blanked that out um well, I, I remember when I first like the like my first like when I first got to Ironwood but like after that first like kind of interaction I don't remember like the first month yet that yeah that must have been pretty traumatic for like you know any teen to go through um do you want to talk about what your relationships with the staff were like at the program did you have any you know staff that you did like you know enjoy being around or did you have any staff that you were like who is this person what's their deal I definitely had both you know like there was staff there that it was like okay this person works here because they genuinely want to work there and then there was other staff that were there that were kind of like okay they work here because it's a job like not or 
there was also the case where it was like the power hungry staff where it was like okay you guys are residents i'm the staff kind of thing like that dynamic in your like in out of so you were there for a long time so i'm sure you got to know a lot of the staff pretty well or like at least get to know you know what their kind of demeanor was and what kind of um what to expect basically from a day with these staff and i have a question of like um, so when you're, you know, going through your day to day, were there any staff that you felt like you had to be different around based on like their personality and the way that they ran the day and, and dictated oh, what was yeah. going on? I feel like that was one of the most frustrating things about Ironwood sometimes is on the day to day. And even with the rules, like rule to rule would differ by who was there at the time. And then you would be like, okay this is the rule. And then you would do the same thing with another staff and they'd be like, Oh, consequence. And it'd be like, wait, what? So that was the thing. It was it never the same exact thing from day to day, which obviously is never going to happen. But it was just like, I don't even know how to, it would be so frustrating. Oh, like that. Did you, sorry, did you have like, did they say staff splitting was like a consequence that you guys would get? Oh yeah. Can you explain what that is? Cause I don't think we've talked about this yet. But staff splitting is definitely like an interesting subject. So staff splitting is basically when, say I were to ask a staff, can we have pretzels for snack? And that staff said no. And then I went to our other staff and said, can we have pretzels for snack? And that staff said yes. And then we had pretzels for snack. I would be staff splitting between the two staffs because I took the answer that I wanted. Right. Like when... The staff said no. I went to another staff and asked the other, knowing that the answer could be yes. And then would you get like in trouble for doing that? Oh, yeah. You could either get, I mean, SR, writing reflection, reflection. It really just depended on what the situation was, you know. Yeah. So for staff splitting, I do remember um, there would be consequences like you would get like just hours of work pretty much or they would make you if it was like a severe situation where you staff split and it was about something and I mean usually staff splitting was always like a minor thing it would be like oh um I asked to sit and a staff didn't answer me so I I asked another staff and they answered me but another staff kind of heard this all happening and was like you could have waited for me to respond but I heard you ask another staff that's staff splitting now you're being punished so it could be something like minuscule like that but there could also be like situations where I asked a staff for mail and another staff was punishing the group that day for being too loud or too whatever so we weren't supposed to get mail and if I asked another staff who didn't know that this was going on and we got our mail I would then be punished severely by like being put in isolation, which is what they called reflection or SR, which is what they call it now, which is like serving re- service reflection where you would do something like saw wood or move rocks. Is that is that like a similar case to what you kind of went through? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, yeah, pretty much. Um, so like at what point in the program do you feel like you kind of understood what the rules were and you were like, okay, I need to comply with the rules so I can move forward? So I spent six months at Fry. Um, I definitely struggled when with Fry because it was the more the behavioral aspect of um, Ironwood. Uh, but I don't, it was hard because I thought I got it and... They just kept telling me, nope, nope, nope. It, You know, that was the thing that was really hard about Ironwood is it always felt like nothing, like they could always find something wrong. 
you know, like it was always, they were going to find something and consequence you for it and tell you it's wrong and make you change it. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's never like a moment to that you're being rewarded or congratulated really. Like that's the thing is like up until the literal minute you're leaving, you could be held back. Like there's been people who have gotten, um, have lost their color like the day before they're supposed to graduate. That happens to so many residents. I've heard that story so many times that, you know, a resident gets really close to graduating and something minuscule happens again, like that doesn't really need to be sent down levels. And I want to elaborate like levels one and two. Fry is levels one and two and the farmhouse was levels three and four. The difference is in levels one and two, you have to earn everything like food, mattresses, pillows, stuff like that. And the farmhouse, you're given a lot more privileges, but you are also held to a higher standard of how you clean things, how you communicate. Um, and so if you do a minor uh, thing that 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 does get you a consequence or get you punished, it's a bigger deal up in levels two and three and four because you're supposed to know better and therefore they can send you down and make you work all the way back up but it could literally be for something so dumb so when these kids are saying that they like have worked really really hard spent you know months in levels one and two without mattresses like moving rocks sawing wood then they're getting sent to levels three and four they're given more privileges but if you mess up once even if you're doing really really well you're you're, you're excelling in school you're excelling in therapy you're excelling in your chores and you're communicating with everyone you're supposed to be communicating with properly but it's something so little like eating uh, somebody's apple or something little that like didn't really mean anything. And they're like, oh, wow, you're trying to pull one over on us. I see you're being bad. You should know better. You're getting sent down like you're 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 done. And that's how a lot of like kids do end up getting sent down, even though they're about to graduate and there's nothing really wrong with them. Yeah, for sure. Like I heard Maddie talking about how they asked her to be quiet for 24 hours and I do remember that and like they a lot one of the things they really drilled on me for was communication because they said that where I'm from people just talk differently but some people they were always like they always had to nitpick my communication and it was so frustrating and it got to the point where it literally felt like I couldn't talk or I couldn't say anything without it being wrong. Um, do you feel like your um, communication skills coming out of the program have been, you know, affected by the way oh, that you had to communicate at Ironwood? Yeah, I mean, obviously, having to do that much work on my communication, it did improve. But I also like my social anxiety and I'm a lot more quiet of a person than I used to be like people that I knew before Ironwood, like even my parents will say to me like, oh, you're so quiet now. And I'm like, well, I couldn't talk a lot of the time. Like when you're in a eight person group and it's one voice at a time and you're also getting drilled on your communication, are you really going to want to talk that much? Yeah, I think a lot of the times when you are in situations in these programs, it's just easier to bite your tongue and be quiet because you'd rather move forward and not upset um, the dynamic of the group. I think that, that was like the hardest thing for me because it seems like the people that were quiet and more like 
the people that kept to their self and weren't really so, I guess, extroverted, I feel like moved through the program so much faster. And that was very frustrating because it was like, I would tell myself, like, if I just shut up and keep my head down, like, I'll just get out of here. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I definitely found, find that the kids who get the most punishment and have the hardest time in, I'm going to say Ironwood specifically because I'm not going to you know, talk about other programs too much that I don't know. But I want to say specifically with Ironwood, a lot of the kids who are extroverted and, you know, do like to chat, I guess you could say chatty kids, whatever. I think there's a lot of kids out there who are just passionate about having conversations with people and you're in a social point in your time. You want to socialize with people your own age. You want to get to know people. That's like a huge, huge uh, developmental part of um, being a teenager, being in that situation. And so not being able to communicate and being, uh, very, very aware of how you're communicating with these people so that you're not getting punished or, uh, hurting the group or getting other people in trouble is a really, really, really tough thing to, to do and to be aware of and then come out of and then be the same person again. And I don't think that kids who are chatty deserve to be silenced and told that they need to shut up. I think that they have a lot to say and there's a lot a lot that they can bring to the table. And instead of just telling kids, hey, you need to shut up, it's a, like, I think that it would be a lot more helpful if you were saying, hey, let's figure out like what you what you bring to the table and like how we can, uh, I don't know, and like have this the, conversation. I don't know. That, that is like, that is sad to me the most about Ironwood is like, you could work so hard genuinely but at the end of the day there's one thing that they want to see and you learn to be that one thing that they want to see like you learn to play the game and like that's the sad part is like it gets to the point where it's not about like growing and all this it's about playing the game so you can get the hell out of there yeah I agree with that I think that there was like points in my program where I was doing genuine work trying to heal myself, trying to understand myself, trying to figure out who I wanted to be when I got out and what I was going to do with that fresh opportunity. And I think, you know, you can get really far in that kind of deal and learn a lot about yourself and kind of process a lot of things that you need to process. But also within that, you're still stuck in this system of I'm going to control you and you're going to do what I want and and like be who you who we want you to be at the end of the day. So when you do graduate from the program, like they they do end up breaking you to be to conform to this like um, modified version of yourself which is weird. Oh, yeah, 100%. And like, it's, I'm not gonna say that Iron, like, I did, I am, I am grateful for Ironwood. And I'm like, I would never take that away. Like, I'm grateful that I went through it. Like, it was shitty. Yeah, it could be really shitty sometimes. But I at the end of the day, I came out a better person. So I would never take that back, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think we all learned so much about like ourselves in that situation that we wouldn't have learned had we stayed in the situations we were in. However, um, that's not to say that the methods iron would use to get us, um, graduated or get, uh, I guess complete the whole cycle of levels one to four. It's just not necessary. A lot of it. I think that there's a lot of room for growth at the end of the program and on the behalf of the kids that are going to go there in the future. Um, there's just a lot of things that need to be changed staff wise. I believe, as well as like just rules that are being enforced need to kind of. Yeah, there was definitely moments there where I just felt like I, for instance, I have um, two herniated discs in my back 
and um, there it wasn't put in my like medical chart at one point. They removed it, and I got like consequenced because I said that my back was hurt, but it wasn't in the medical chart. So I got consequence for lying. And there was just a, a couple, no, not a couple. There was a lot of times where it was just like, you were in a situation where they could say whatever they wanted and you had to go with it. Like if they were like, you did this and there's no getting around it. Like, here's what it is. You had to go with it. Like they could be like, you stole crackers out of the cabinet we know you did and even if you didn't you're not getting out of it if they if they are saying that you did it you have to go with it yeah it's almost easier sometimes to just take the punishment than to say like because you almost get in more trouble if you try to say no i didn't do it and that was one of my issues with communication for a while they told me they literally told me not to say anything to a staff when they address me with a consequence just take the consequence and then if i still have an issue with it later i can talk to them but like they were basically telling me, like, when a staff tells you something, shut up, go with it, and that's that. Did you ever have any experience uh, with the owner of the program? Because I've only heard from a few people that they've had some encounters with Wes. He's not there a lot. He comes in every couple weeks. But you were there 16 months, so I'm just curious, like, what was your impression of him if you had any interactions? I mean, like, he he wasn't really there much basically the owners know what they know because of treatment team they're not around and all that like that's what I had to explain to my parents I was like they're never there I hope you know that like they're there like they'll pop in like maybe once a week and no not even (laughs) but I mean he like always told me he was like oh I, I think you're a rock star like I always knew you were gonna like do well in this program yada 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 um there definitely was times uh when I I think it was one of the times I got sent down where I did have a conversation with Wes and I was just like I I don't know what you want me to do like I'm trying so hard and I I just remember he was like we know that but we just want to see this and it was like okay so let me just be what you guys want to see even though I'm trying yeah how did that make you feel how did that like um them saying you need to be this way because you're not trying hard enough basically I mean coming from somebody who's like um a lot of my deep-rooted trauma like stems from having a manipulative narcissistic perfectionist parent So going to a place and feeling like nothing's ever good enough didn't really help. Yeah, because that place, I mean, if that place wasn't um, controlling and narcissistic in its own way, I mean, what was? Because you go to Ironwood and it's just like, if you are living in a a family environment where you have a parent who is um, just a perfectionist, like you were describing, I think a lot of kids who do find themselves at Ironwood, you know, do find themselves who have parents who just like uh they want you to be a certain way and if you kind of go go off of that if you're not you know doing the things they want if you're taking drugs if you're dating boys if you're interested in boys or whatever or or girls and you're a girl or guys if you're a guy whatever and your parents are like no that's not the way I want you to be I want you to be this way and anything from that is an embarrassment and not cool and I I just don't understand it and I can't understand it and if I if you're not going to listen to me you can't live in this house and you got to go somewhere else because I'm not dealing with it a lot of times I think parents are like that not all parents and I don't think that it's the case for a lot of 
kids, but I do think that there is times where that feeds into Ironwood and the way that they treat you. I think that there is a lot of like uh, staff and like residents who are like in these programs and their parents just want them to kind of like learn to respect authority figures. And I think that's why Ironwood is so like authoritative and punishing is because it's like, no, you're not respecting um, outside adults and authority figures. So you got to learn how to do that. So when you go in the outside world, <laughs> you're, you'll be you see an authority and you just say, yep, sir, I'm going to keep quiet and do what you want. Yeah. But that Pretty leaves much. a lot of room for for um, abuse. And that does leave a lot of room for mistrust. And it leaves a lot of room for resentment unfortunately. Yeah, there was definitely times like in Ironwood where it was just like, what am I supposed to do? Like, what is right? What is wrong? Like, how do I get out of here? Like, there was, yeah, it does. It does break you. And it, it definitely broke me. And I don't know if that was necessarily a bad thing. Maybe it was what I needed, you know? Mm hmm. But there definitely is better ways to do it. Agreed. Yeah, there's just a better way to execute that where there's not so much confusion. What's right? What's wrong? That's that's where that's the biggest red flag of what you're saying is there. There shouldn't be this middle ground. What is this right? Is this wrong? Like it, there, it shouldn't be that well, confusing. That was, my biggest, that was my biggest issue at the lake house is because, as you know, while you move in the program, as you get more privilege, you get more responsibility. So when you go to the lake house, there's even more privilege and um a lot of the times the rules you would think you're following the rules but then a staff will come in and be like nope you're not following them so I was very frustrated there and I ended up feeling constantly anxious there because I was like I don't know what I'm doing like I don't know it got to the point at Ironwood where I was just constantly anxious because I always felt like they were gonna find something that I was doing wrong um, we briefly spoke about the lake house and I'll briefly talk about what this is really quick. So Ironwood has always just been one campus. It's always been, uh, a, just a big open campus surrounded by woods and mountains, but they recently, um, purchased another property a little bit outside of, um, where this prop, uh, the main campus is located. Where, do you know what town it's in? Is it Bangor? South China. Well, China. China, Maine. Yes, okay. China. So China, Maine. It's in China, Maine, and it's how big would you describe it? It's a how many rooms and? Um, give me a second. Uh, there's three bedrooms upstairs, and three bedrooms downstairs, I believe. Okay, so it's not like crazy big. It's like a how many people would would you say were normally at the lake house in a normal time? Um, they tried to keep the group pretty small, so it would be like. For the, I think the most they've ever had there is like eight, nine, maybe. Eight, nine. Okay. So the Lake House basically is a program outside of Ironwood, from what I understand, where you get more privileges, like you can go grocery shopping, you're able to have, are you able to have your phone? Um, If you're a level five. So there's, yeah. there's just certain privileges that you are like slowly introduced to at the Lake House and it's separate from the main campus. You get your own staff. But um, can you describe what that was like? Because it sounds like it's a pretty new thing. It sounds like the, the staff are a bit confused about what it all is and what the rules are. So the lake house was designed to be more of a transition for um, more of the older kids of Ironwood, like the ones that aren't going back to high school maybe or need to finish high school at Ironwood. Like for me, I stayed 
I signed myself in when I turned 18 and I went to Lake House to finish high school. Um, or it's for people who are transitioning into their adult life. So it's more of um, a transition for older kids kind of thing. People that aren't going home to like their families and going back to high school and all that. People transitioning into adulthood. Okay. And then and can you walk us through what like a day at uh, the lake house was like? Um, so a day at the lake house, we would wake up, do our exercise. Uh, then you could make your own breakfast uh, pretty much. Uh, well, no. So you wake up, we exercise, then we hygiene, get meds, and then you can make your own breakfast. And then we have to finish chores and get them checked and signed off before we leave. And then if you are still in high school, you go to the main Ironwood campus and go do school. Um, if you're not, you could go to college, you could go work. Um, I, I don't really know as much about when you're not in school at Ironwood still because I wasn't there when I wasn't in high school still. Um, but we go to the main campus, we do school there, and some days we would come right back after school, some days we would stay for groups, it really depended. Did you, was therapy still included when you were at the lake house? Uh, yeah, you could either see the lake house therapist, um, or you could still see your main Ironwood campus when, like your main your your therapist from the main Ironwood campus like when you were there and did you guys have like similar like what kind of rules um were in place or was it just a like so oh, the lake house is a lot different there's a it's kind of like a culture shock to be honest when you first get there you're like wait this is still Ironwood because you you are basically like you still if you're a level four you still have to wear your uniform um you still there's still quiet time and everything but we had a tv there um we would go to like the library and sometimes we go like thrift shopping um we could basically like leave the lake house every day day if we wanted to that's so cool um, what the heck <laughs> yeah and like it was a lot different like we could watch tv there did you have like a 24-hour staff who were there overnight or no um yeah I mean we had staff and stuff but there wasn't like cameras in the rooms anymore and we could sleep with the door closed and we didn't have to ask to be heard but we had to make sure a staff was monitoring us okay and do you think the staff kind of like knew like understood how the lake house was run or do you feel like it was still like a new new thing it, yeah I feel like it was like so new that they didn't really know and it was just like it's just messy and it was hard and basically for me they were like we don't think this is working out for you so we're gonna send you back to the farmhouse so I got sent back and mind you I was 18 and I signed myself in and they still told me that if I wanted to finish the program I had to finish at the farmhouse I didn't have an option to finish at the lake house wow and so you were saying earlier like you got sent back down from even that back to fry yeah from the lake house to fry yes and what was that over if you don't um, if you want to answer you don't have to that was because i used a fake merit <laughs> and i was supposed to go home for christmas and i didn't get to go home for christmas i'm curious we were talking about this a little bit earlier 
about what SR is. And um, Maddie was kind enough to talk to us about what SR is. And so when I was a resident back in 2012, we had demerit system and demerit system was if you got in trouble during the week, you got a demerit and you could accumulate however many demerits in a week and they would all be served on Sunday. So you could get seven hours worth of demerits during the week and you would have to spend all seven hours of that Sunday that you're allowed to write to your parents and take hikes and not have to clean anything. Um, you'd have to spend that seven hours moving rocks, sawing wood, something like that. And if you didn't want to do it, you'd go on reflection. As simple as that. Like you just reflection, uh, isolation, whatever, that's what you did. So today they changed that system. It's no longer demerits. You don't get demerited um, the way they used to. You get SR, which is service reflection. And service reflection is no longer served on your day off. It's served during music. It's served during art. It's served during your dinner time. So when you're supposed to be doing nice, fun things with your peers, you're then taken out of the group and you have to saw woods and move rocks. Um, so they just changed the wording of it and when it's served, basically. So demerit, SR, same thing, different days, different times. But when you experienced it, you told me a story about something that happened to the whole group on Easter. And I'm so curious about like what happened with that. So it was the night before Easter and obviously we're all bummed out. Like it's a holiday. We're not home with our families and... Um, you know, holidays were pretty hard there. Um, and the next day is Easter. It's a uh, quiet time. And we were getting yelled at to be quiet. And I guess we weren't quiet in time. Like, we, w we didn't end up being quiet fast enough. So they decided to consequence us. Um, so the whole group, except for two people, got three hours of SR on Easter. And we... Um, went out after breakfast to serve it. And it was, mind you, it was supposed to be three hours of SR. We were all out there until dinner time. We went out there after breakfast. Was there a particular reason? Was the staff just like, you're not doing, like, are you, you're being too loud? You're being too something that you had to serve it longer? They still tell us that it was three hours. <laughs> That's okay. I want to explain this another thing because I don't know if a lot of the audience know this. We were not allowed to know the time when we were there. There was no clocks. None of the staff had like clocks unless it was their phone and they hid their phone so we wouldn't know what time it was. So we never knew what time it was. We couldn't time anything. They woke us up when they woke us up. They put us to bed when they put us to bed. We ate and did whatever they did when they told us to do it. It wasn't like we knew what the time was. We didn't know when things were being started or ended. We had no idea when to gauge that. We went by wh where the fuck the sun was in the sky. So yeah, I just, I think that you would know by that point, like you're like, okay, no, this is definitely not three hours. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we were all sitting there like, it, mind you, it was also pouring rain. We were all soaked, soaking wet, like soaking, dripping wet. We had to rake leaves in the pouring rain. And they told us it was three hours. It was Easter. It was a holiday. And we all raked leaves in the pouring rain from breakfast to dinner. And they tried to tell us that was three hours. Because they didn't get quiet soon enough. That's ridiculous. That's so fucking horrible and like cruel. That's so cruel. Put like kids on like just make them rake leaves in the rain that's just so mean like it's just so mean and unnecessary like there's just ways that you can teach kids lessons and it doesn't have to be with punishment and it doesn't have to be with cruel punishment where you force them to go out in the rain in the rain on a holiday other thing is like writing reflection I realized was a hundred times more effective and even reflective for me than 
doing worth. Yeah, I think when you're when you're putting a saw or a bucket into some kid's hand and saying saw this wood and move these rocks, but there's no real like purpose behind it. You're not learning anything. You're just getting more angry and resentful at the situation. It's not a learning experience. It's just mean there's nothing else to be said about that like it's literally just mean there's no other way you're doing that to kids like oh and the other thing is sometimes like when nobody would have sr to serve they would give us task and call it campus beautification and make us work that they literally just didn't know what to do with you guys honestly some days they were just like honestly okay i have a theory and this is literally just a theory i could probably be crazy whatever but I have this theory that a lot of the staff, because they are short staff, like mind you, a group of students at a time could be eight to nine, sometimes 10, maybe five, but still like more students than there are staff. You usually have two staff per group. Um, And the group could be about five to 11, maybe. I don't know. That's how big our group got at one point. We've had like 12. We've had 12 girls in a group before. Yeah. So this is a lot of kids again. Eight beds, two cots. Yep. Two cots. But, but anyway, like there are a lot of times where I guess staff feel really intimidated. I'm, you know, one, two staff against all these kids that are like angry that I'm forcing them to do all this stuff, you know, consequencing them left and right. I honestly think that like the staff are told, hey, give a certain amount of kids consequences so that it's just less uh, difficult for the staff to deal with. We can't do 11 kids at a time all having a nice day. Like some kids have to go do work somewhere so that it's just less stressful. Oh. There was literally times where you would watch a staff get pissed off with a kid and they would literally just be like, go out to SR or go out to reflection. And it was like, bro, you're literally just pissed off at them. Like you just consequence them because you don't want to deal with them. I had a staff reach out to me who was working there and around the time that you were there. Um, she does. She wants to remain anonymous. and I'm still working to get um, software so that I can alter people's voices and keep them anonymous. But she is willing to come on the podcast soon, hopefully. Um, and she was telling me that when she was working at Ironwood, that they like encouraged her, um, like they were basically told her, like, if you're not getting grievances, you're not doing your job right. They were basically saying, like, if you're not giving enough punishments, like in making these kids hate you, like you're not doing your job right. That's what they oh. told her. So she was like, yo, I'm here. I want to work with kids. I like this kind of thing. But yeah, like I'm being told that if I'm not punishing the kids enough, like I'm not doing my job right. And she didn't end up quitting. Um, but it was crazy that she reached out to me and like did tell me like, cause I, I do like think sometimes, yo, what are these staff being trained to do? Like, why are they coming in so aggressive? Like, and so impatient, you know? No, and there was like staff there and I'm going to be like honest with you. There was staff there that like, uh, when I went to the lake house, I went into a completely new group at the lake house and they were all leaving soon. So I didn't really know, like, I I couldn't really make friends with them because they were all leaving soon. And I became really close with one staff. And he used to tell me, like, I have to do my job, you know? And it was sad because he was like, there's certain stuff I hate doing. There's certain stuff I hate, like, about this job. But it's my job at the end of the day. And, I mean, I, I respected that. Like, because when a staff would open up with you on a different level like that, 
it was so much more genuine than somebody telling you, okay, go do some SR. Like when I had deep, real conversations with staff, it made so much more of a difference than when a staff would tell me to shut up and go do SR outside. That's actually such an interesting point you bring up because I know that there were at least two staff during my program who kind of said similar things like, hey, if I could give you a hug right now, I fucking would because you're a child. And the fact that there's no contact allowed in this place is kind of weird. And so there were just like so many times where like the staff would be like, look, if I, you know, wasn't being forced to do my job this way, I would do it differently, which says a lot, you know, if a staff is trying to say that to a kid. um, My grandfather actually passed away when I was at Ironwood and um, the, while I was with a therapist at the time um, and she just straight up asked my dad, she was like, can I give her a hug? And he was like, yeah. And she gave me a hug. It's just... Sad. I mean, like, again, no physical contact for a, you know, teenager who's going through, you know, a very developmental phase in their life and they're not even allowed to like high five a friend (laughs) that's kind of crazy well it's like that's what like because I've obviously talked to my friends from Ironwood outside of Ironwood and it's just like we couldn't talk to each other for months like about certain things like it got to the point where we could only talk about Spongebob food and Ironwood because if you talked about anything else you were getting consequence damn it it was just, it was frustrating at times. Like, I am grateful for Ironwood. I am grateful for the good experiences I had there and the growth that I did make there and the good people that I did meet there. But I definitely do agree that there should be change and improvement because Ironwood, yeah, did a lot for me, but it also definitely did have its um, emotional wear and tear on me too, you know? Yeah, I want to I'm curious what your what your thoughts are on what your transition from um, Ironwood graduating Ironwood and then coming back into for you, you know, April. So a couple months into COVID crisis, Jesus. So that's what your experience was. You went from Ironwood graduated, feeling pretty okay. been there for 16 months and now into this crazy world. COVID's happening. Um, Yeah. Can you describe what that was like? Well, that's why they decided to keep me until the end of April um, because my grandfather passed away on April 2nd and COVID was happening and everything. But for my graduation, um, my family was not allowed to attend. Um, We had to do it via Zoom and they couldn't really actually hear anything. Um, There was no PC. We couldn't give hugs to the staff or residents when we left. Mm. Um, That's so my, tough. My parents literally had to pick me up, like, at the rock at the end of the road. Oh, my gosh. And, um, yeah, Ironwood definitely changed a lot with COVID. Um, I think for the audience who's not, un- like, I just, this is just heartbreaking for me because I'm, for me, my graduation was just, like, it was the first time I was able to, like, hug my peers, like, genuinely because I'm saying goodbye after spending like nine months with these people that I was not physically allowed to like high five touch hug whatever and like there's just so many moments when you're like around people who are um in emotional uh turmoil like and you you just want to like put your hand on their back and say it's okay or hug them or just any kind of comfort any form of like affection and just to be around these people for such a long period of time graduate and then that's your one moment when you're graduating is like goodbye I'll see you in another life. Like, and that's your only time. Cause like these people are moving, you know, back to Florida, back to Pennsylvania, back to 
you know, wherever they live, it's probably one of the last times you will get to see them. And for you, just going in to a COVID world and not being able to get that like last goodbye, like the hug that you did, didn't get to have and like, you know, see your parents sitting there. Uh, my, I'm sorry that that was your experience. Like, I'm sure that Ironwood is really, really different with COVID right now and forcing the kids to wear masks. And, you know, what do you do if a kid comes in with COVID? <laughs> do they quarantine them now? I'm, I'm assuming. I, I don't even know. I think they were starting to, I think they were opening up the mint. So they made a mini yurt for the, um, it's for solos in the winter. Oh, wow. So they were going to make the mini yurt into like a quarantine cabin, I guess, for like in case somebody got it. Well, we're coming pretty close to an end. Was there um, anything else you wanted to talk about? Um, I don't think so. You did a great job. I'm I'm so appreciative of all of you guys coming on. Um, and thank you again for coming on Live and, and Breaking Code Silence with us. Yeah, of course. I'm really grateful that you're doing this. I think it's really awesome.